This is a main hustle media podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the single simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back. Listening to Militantly Mixed. I would like to acknowledge that the Militantly Mixed podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Chumash and the Tongva people, and I wish to pay my respects to the people of those nations, both past and present. Hey, y'all, welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine, aka Mixed Girl Maine, and this is the live stream edition, monthly live stream edition of Militantly Mixed. And today I am joined by three members of mixed race affinity groups at various universities, and we're going to introduce them all and then get into our discussion, starting with Jay. Why don't you introduce them? Hey, all mine. Uh, hi, um, I'm Jay Grant. I go by he, him pronouns. I was the former president, but also founding member of the Mixed Race Student Coalition at the University of Virginia in Charlottesville, Virginia. I am mixed black and Filipino. And my fun fact about myself is that I'm studying nursing. So I'm ready to join the front lines of taking care of the sick the best I can. All right. And Dakota? Yeah. Hey, everybody. Um, I'm Dakota Duffy uh, from UCLA Mixed Student Union Group. Um, I'm the lead director, and I've been in various positions the past four years or so, um, sending out emails, leading meetings, do whatever. Um, he, him pronouns um, identify as mixed, black, and white. Um, yeah, and I'm studying sociology. I'm looking to be a teacher. And Phoebe? Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Phoebe. I go by she, her. Um, I'm the Transfer Retention and Recruitment Director for Mixed at Berkeley. Um, I'm also Chinese, Indonesian, Vietnamese, and Japanese. Um, I guess, fun fact, I'm a military dependent studying to work in national security, hopefully, or as a military lawyer. We'll see how it goes. Awesome. Well, first of all, I just want to thank you all for joining me today. And I don't know if there's something was in the air or what, but when um, I originally decided that I wanted to to have one of these live streams with a mixed race student organization discussion topic, um, everybody started to find me. <laughs> um, I had already had relationships with Jay and Dakota through episode previous episodes and, of course, our weekly hangout as well. Um, and then I met Phoebe recently through Mixed Up Berkeley. And I've just had, like an amazing time getting a chance to to connect with student affinity groups because I have not had that experience in my own college um, time and, of course, in high school as well. So first of all, I want to say that I am appreciative and inspired by the three of you for doing the kind of work that you're doing in addition to the studies you have, especially since you're all planning on going into things that um, I imagine took up a lot of time too, so that you made space and time for your identity and to help further other people's identity is very special to me. So thank you. <laughs> first. Um, all right. So let's get into the conversation. Uh, we, we kind of have something crazy and big going on in the U S right now as we have just inaugurated our first 
mixed race, black and South Asian identified woman vice president. And even though that doesn't necessarily have to do with an affinity group, um, I had an experience yesterday that I talked about on Instagram about sitting in on a high school affinity group where some of the members of that group were mixed similarly to Kamala. And I got to see immediately after the inauguration, the impact of seeing somebody who looked like them in the second highest seat of the United States government. And I, I, I felt that pretty heavily in this thing of like, we need to see people like us doing things. I feel like that's probably a motivating factor too, and even joining or creating a mixed race affinity group. So I'll start with Jay. I know that you are the founding member of your group at UVA. Can you talk a little bit about um, what motivated you to actually find the group and then what it's been like for you since you um, have been going through this the last couple of years? Uh, Cool. So being a student at the University of Virginia, my first year was in 2017 after Unite the Right unite the right in Charlottesville. So there was already a lot of racial tension at the University of Virginia. And I, growing up, especially in the South, I really saw things as mainly black and white. And I was more Asian at the household and more black wherever else I go. I've been called boy. I've dealt with the Klan. I've seen Confederate flags and stuff. Uh, But when I finally came to the University of Virginia and dealt with so many identities, I never really found something that was there to vibe with me. I was a member of our Filipino organization uh, at UVA, and it was able to give me exposure to something I never truly had before to understand that part of me. But my real big inspiration about why I started my organization is actually my major is nursing. So doing my time in my rotations, especially working on oncology, mental health, um, obstetrics, dealing with mixed race issues for such as people with mixed race descent cannot get uh, stem uh, donorship for stem cells as easily if they have leukemia. So it's terrible that our essentially our demographic has less of a chance of finding off cancer. Um, in addition, I my one of my first deliveries I had to help uh, help perform with clinicians was a mixed race child. She was black and Filipino, just like me. And that was really, really powerful with me. And then working in mental health, especially in high schools with young mixed race kids about trying to figure out their own identity. That's where I came to a moment and grabbed some friends and thinking that this came from a passion for health and finding that sense of identity amongst us. And there was no more appropriate place than the University of Virginia because Thomas Jefferson and Sally Hemings had mixed race children. Interracial relationships was legalized through Virginia, Loving v. Virginia in 67. So I find that found that there was a foundation to be made and a place for us to be defined. And that's how we just sort of got started. It was rough. It was only 10 of us in our little lawn room, just sitting around thinking about what are we going to do? I was able to pull strings to get my organization sort of certified really, really fast. And I just passed off my keys to my next president, who is also a nursing student. She's black, white, biracial. And I'm really excited for the future. And all the work I was able to do from then on, just from where we started and here we are today, is I hope to bring just another conversation and another identity to be found through our own mixedness. 
So that's my little snippet for Mixed Race Student <laughs> Coalition. All right. And I'm I'm super proud of you. I know I met you after you've already done all this work, but just seeing what you have done in the time that I have known you, I'm I'm just I'm super proud of everything you do. And that you do take into consideration the actual university that you come from the founder of that university being someone who literally wrote words about all men being created equal while considering his own mixed race children less than a full person that is the right spot (laughs) for you to be doing the work that you're doing so i appreciate that and uh with phoebe and dakota you're both you're not founding members of your organizations but you have participated um both as first going as let's check this out and see what this mixed race group is all about, all the way up to working yourself into director positions. Could could both of you talk a little bit about what that experience was like for you as well? Yeah, um, I can speak on that. I mean, I um, coming out of high school, I had like seen like mixedness as kind of like a novelty sort of thing, where it was a kind of like a fun fact. It wasn't like an identity uh, to me. So it wasn't until um, I got to UCLA and like met with people on my floor and in the dorm. They're also mixed race, and we had started sharing experiences about that. Um, and I had initially not even signed up for um, MSU. Um, it was when my like doormate said got an email for it, and um, we were all going to go just because it was like fun. It was like, oh, that's kind of neat. Um, we're all mixed, whatever. Let's go down there and check it out. Um, and then it, you go to the first meeting, and then you hear the people's stories, and you're like, oh, I've never like met this many people that share a similar experience to me. Um, and then you hear it like week after week, you keep going back and then suddenly you realize like, oh, this is where I was supposed to be the whole time. Um, yeah. So you, I realized how important that was to me. Um, and I came, I originally the first couple of years was like trying some other things, but, um, I eventually came back home and started off as like a, originally like an intern sending out the emails. Um, and then came up as like a full, like director of communications and then the past year or so I've been like a lead director and then running the conference, um, our annual conference and all that. So, um, yeah, I kind of weaseled my way up in there. Um, and after I couldn't leave, um, it was calling me home. So, um, yeah, and I continue to hold the space open, um, cause I realized how important it was to me to like, for my identity formation. So, um, knowing how great that was for me, I, fight tooth and nail to keep the space open and um, spend all this extra time, all these extra hours um, as a labor of love, trying to um, help other people go through the same process. Absolutely. It is hard work doing, mm-hmm. doing this. I mean, I know that we get something out of it as mixed race people too, but knowing that we're doing something for our, our people, our tribe, it feels, um, it does feel like important. What about you, Phoebe? Yeah, I think for me, um, I was, I was curious and, <laughs> When I don't know the answer to anything, it makes me determined to figure out, like, what is the answer to this? And in this case, it was really, um, I was introduced to the organization in my spring 2019 semester. I'm a transfer student at Berkeley. And at that time, I was, I, I never considered my mixed identity a large part of that had to do with the fact that um, as a military dependent, you're surrounded by people who are all mixed around you. And it was never, I never had to question it. Um, And I guess I was very fortunate enough, but it hit me when I moved to California from Japan fall 2017. And I was like, oh my gosh, I, I don't know what's happening. There's no space for people who 
have like the same background as me. There's no space for um, sharing mixed identity. There's no recognition. Um, so when I got to Cal, I was really surprised and very excited to find out what Mixed at Berkeley was all about. Um, I also started as an intern, so I definitely relate with emails and like helping uh, the current directors with whatever events they're trying to push out in programs. Um, and after last year, I or after spring of last year, I decided that I really liked the work I was doing. I really liked the environment. I love the people. Um, and it was also a really rare opportunity on a campus that is so big um, to really get to know people who have similar but different backgrounds as you, like they're all mixed, or I'm sorry, we're all mixed, we're come from such different backgrounds, but the one thing that really binds us together is the fact that we have this history and story of various cultures, and that's really the beauty of um, Mixed at Berkeley MRC, and you get to really explore that. So I was like, okay, I want to continue, and I'm going to work my way up into a director position, and here we are. <laughs> My my uh, my mouse went rogue on me for a second there. Um, what since since you've been you've all been in school pre coronavirus affecting us and shutting us down and everything like that. So your experience at your various affinity groups has been in person for the most part. But then we come to this year where everything this last year where everything changed. How have you been able to manage keeping connected? With your people, how have you been offsetting? I, I'll start out with asking Dakota because the reason why Dakota and I ever met was you reached out to me to participate in the Mixed Race Heritage Conference for for 2020, and then the world shut down and we couldn't we couldn't do it. Um, but you still manage. I, I see the emails go through from from your organization, so I know that you you guys are still being active. What are the things that y'all are doing as a community to keep people connected and not feel in isolation? Since that is one of our major problems as mixed folks. Yeah, um, we realize. I mean, we're very community based, so. Uh, mine and I've passed this down to the people, other directors. Um, the philosophy is like we're community first. So, um, yeah, we try to build people together. So, a lot of our events, uh, for anyone that's not familiar with what we do, it's weekly events um, and we try to alternate between like discussion based meetings. So, we have a topic we bring up, we throw some information out there, and then people um, open up about it um, in a space that's like just for mixed people um, and they can open up about things that they might not have before. Then we alternate that with like socials where we just kind of like hang out and do some fun stuff. Um, we realize that community isn't like a physical thing. It's a, a person thing. So um, we thought it was going to be a little tough to move virtually and um, have to do something like this where it's like all virtual. But we realize like the people are still going to come. Um, the community is still there. The community is like you build it um, out of the people that are there. So we've done some things like we... I think last Tuesday we had a meeting on, I think it was microaggressions. So we um, did something like this where we, our uh, board members like threw together a PowerPoint that had like a bunch of information about microaggressions. And then we like broke us off into like breakout rooms. We got to talk about um, our experiences with that um, and everything there. Um, and then we come back to the main room and kind of chit chat about it um, and open up. And then people feel like they get a lot out of it, uh, being able to just like, find people, uh, find a community that exists, and then um, speak about their issues that they're having. Um, yeah, we 
we thought it would be a lot tougher than it is. Uh, we're still adapting. There's always going to be technical issues. Um, anytime you throw like technology cameras or microphones in between you and other people, it gets a little tougher. But um, yeah, it hasn't been that bad. Um, we still obviously wish it was in person. There's a lot of stuff we were missing out on. Um, like we usually do ice skating every year, and we can't do that this year, and a bunch of other things like movie nights and all of that. But um, we've been able to manage. Um, yeah, our community is um, yeah online now. It's just out of, it's out of the people, not the place. So we've um, been okay, I'll say. Either one of you want to jump in, Jay or Phoebe? Yeah, I can go. Um, I think we've had we've had one semester with the virtual experience. It's been it's been rough, but it's been manageable, and we've sort of accommodated around that by doing a lot of virtual events. Um, I they've been largely successful, um, and a lot of what we do has really shifted from in person gatherings to. Um, online meetings, whether it's, for example, study jams and sort of bringing community together to just have a space to meet each other and talk. Um, we also have um, heritage-based events, whether it's a whole month dedicated to mixed identity, whether it's um, bringing in and pulling in uh, mixed, uh, for example, we had like mixed um physical fitness uh, instructors who were really able to share their story as they taught us like their cool um, skill. Um, we also had like the curly hair series, uh, which was done by one of my uh, execs. And it really places the emphasis on um, what what mixed heritage is defined as. Like it's not just like the, the feeling that comes with it. It's also like how you look and how you take care of yourself. And that is different because of like your, your genetic makeup is obviously a lot more mixed. Um, I think on my end, I focus largely uh, with the transfer community um, and from uh, underrepresented communities and really just focusing on mentorship is a really big one at Berkeley just because um, California has such a wide disparity um, of wealth inequality and also gender inequality. Um, and then on top of that, everything else that has been going on has really exacerbated these. And my way of really trying to bring community together um, sorry, it's a little bit early in the morning for me. Um, my way of trying to uh, sort of problem solve in a sense was maybe we can develop mentorship programs that would happen fully remote, fully virtual. Um, and this was targeted on my end for uh, community college students because that was that was like my target population group. And it turned out really well. It was difficult at first, um, especially at the beginning of the semester when the school decided to do like a hybrid sort of teaching style and then shifted completely remote at the last minute. That was really hard to adjust for. But the organization itself has still been really active um, in and out of Berkeley, largely within our greater SF communities. Being a much newer or comparatively uh, compared to West Coast schools, uh, we actually had our best growth through COVID time. Uh, I, I found that it was definitely a growing year. Our past two years, we were established in 18, so very, very young. Uh, but this past semester, we definitely had our most success in terms of people coming out to events 
virtually uh, with a very consistent event schedule, uh, social events in there. I think the, the tools amongst us, uh, like playing among us, uh, really did highlight more of a community factor uh, to really bring in this sense of what is Mixus and the mixed identity. I do believe on the East Coast, especially in the Mid-Atlantic and Southern regions, like Mixus is not really talked about as much or as openly. So it was really a lot of just having this dialogue and education, which you could have virtually. And something I did prioritize to have is a mentorship program of having a bigs and littles situation. Of course, trying to seek out potential new exec members to fill roles such as myself, because I'm graduating to join the cool, the cruel dark world out there. But it was a really big importance for me leaving because I knew this wasn't going to be huge by the time I graduate to have this sense. I laid down a solid foundation to make sure people have a sense of finding a home and having members write about us, about their mixed experience, just in the student paper and having a sense of feel like this is something for me. And I feel like I could understand and feel where I feel like I was always alone was always ever looking for. So even though it was virtual and I wish we had more in-person events in the future and hopefully things get better, but I think we just did the best we can with what we got and we grew a lot. Right. That. That's awesome. Um, I, I can sort of attest, not in the, not quite in the university way, but in starting the weekly hangouts, the social hangouts that we do on Sundays, um, which Jay was one of the first members of, um, I I noticed that how much more connected I feel than I thought I was already feeling doing militantly mix. You know, I was getting a chance to speak to mixed people all the time, but it was usually one on one. And for some reason, that experience of seeing a whole gallery of mixed race faces looking back at me. Um, it kind of like reaffirmed the mission to continue to reach out, to continue to be of service to the mixed race community, however I can. And, um, and I know that I get a ton out of it. Um, but with you being in leadership positions at your various organizations, I I'm just curious, what is, what are the moments that you can really attach to from the last few years that you've been doing this, where you've seen an impact of the group on an individual or anything like that? Have, do you have any stories like that? Um, yeah, I mean, it changes every year. I've been doing this for so many years that um, it's always like the early fall first two weeks you get these like it re-inspires you. Um, so you do a lot. Of, we always do a lot of hard work over the summer to try to like set it up. And then we're all like exhausted. And, like, oh, is this even going to work? And then week one, you realize oh, it was entirely worth it. Um, we get people that are like, oh, I've never even thought about that before. Um, they like learn about themselves, uh, which we got even like last week when we talk about microaggressions, um, people were like, oh yeah, that was a microaggression. Like my aunt said something kind of funky, um, to me. Um, and then we've had other things like, um, I think the mean before that was being the child of immigrants. So, um, I'm not a child of immigrants, but we've had several of our members are, where like, they have a dad from Korea or um, their mom is from Mexico or something like that. And they realize like, oh, um, maybe it is a little different for me being like both like them being like an immigrant and then me being mixed. Like there's a whole gap there that I didn't really think about. Um, so even deep into winter, we're still getting people learning about themselves. Um, but early fall, we get people from all across the spectrum of reactions. We've had people like 
cry, like, like openly cry in the meetings because they like finally found a home and they can openly talk about the things they've dealt with, um, or maybe a parent wasn't very supportive of their identity. Um, and they finally get to like meet other people that um, affirm their identity. So there's always things like that where you're like, you get like stressed out over the summer of doing all this work and you're tired. And then you see people like, you see the work and why you, it matters every year. Um, and that's right. why I keep coming back. So, um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, that why is fine making a home. I butt my way into the cultural organizations at my university that make some semblance of a space. And I think my victories is when members do tell my exec or myself that I felt that I belong somewhere. And I felt that I'm getting answers to questions I always had. And especially this concept of being enough. I always tell my members that you are always enough, no matter how you identify, because I have members who identify more one way or the other. And I still take them in with open arms. And I think just those inspiring moments and even in times outside of my organization, I had one of my members. So I teach bachata at my university and one of my dancers was mixed black and white. And she told me that she found a little bit of answering to her questions about Mm -hmm. being mixed. And that was completely unrelated to my organization. And that was a big win for me, seeing that there's exposure for mixed people in a place that has such a history of mixedness, such as the University of Virginia and Thomas Jefferson. That's where my why was. And that's why I did what I did. Yeah, I I can say that over the years doing Militantly Mixed, you know, you start out thinking you know what your mission is. And then somebody touches your heart in a way you weren't expecting and it throws everything out of whack and you got to like re, <laughs> you know, reestablish what, what the goal is for you. And it's changed so much for me throughout the years. I mean, the main mission has always been connect with more mixed race people. If they're feeling lost or in isolation, try to, ha- oh, we got another mixed kid. <laughs> this is my little oh. sister, Sophia. And my other Hi. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know, you you feel like you have to do everything you can to continue to connect or everything like that. Um, and one thing that I struggle with is um, feeling like it's all my responsibility. You know, where with, with respect to militantly mix, it's I'm the one who pressed the record, so I'm the one who has to do all this stuff. And I have hit a place lately where I realize like. I can't do much more than I'm doing. So I have to be happy that I, with what I am doing, I have to, but I have to continue to do at least at the level that I'm, that I'm doing it at now. Do you feel that in your experience doing um, the kind of work that you're doing with your organizations, have you been able to feel the support of your team or do you also kind of feel like you own it and have to do all the things and you can't calm down and, you got to keep helping people, especially as you get these moments with somebody that makes you feel like, oh, that's why I'm doing this. How, how does that impact you? Um, I can yeah, I can talk on that. I mean, I've got I've always had a great like um, board with me. So, I mean, we always start off the year with like kind of our missions um, and what we kind of hope to achieve. And a lot of it is just like, oh, we always try to center like the base of this is just keeping the space open, um, like reserving the space um so even if we host 
you know, three meetings a quarter. <laughs> so like, I mean, nine meetings a year. Um, they, it's still creating a space for mixed people to come in um, and speak about their issues or um, see other mixed people or be in a space that they feel welcome in or don't feel awkward in. Um, so yeah, I always, and if we do extra stuff on top of that, um, like we've had a family program before where like we kind of break the whole cluster of like MSU members into like smaller groups so they can kind of meet with like smaller people um, and have like a little like family or a team um, of their own. Um, we've done that before, but I mean, this year we couldn't do it because it was virtual. So we kind of dropped it. Um, we've um, gotten this really good, especially me that haven't done this for so many years, gotten really good at like managing our expectations. So um, but we always put first and foremost is creating the community space. So, um, as long as people can come in and like, um, talk about their issues and everything like that, we've achieved our goal, our <laughs> like step one. Um, anything beyond that is just like icing on the cake for us. So, um, yeah, we've done okay. Um, I'm not, I'm really happy with what we've done so far and, um, how we've lasted now. This is our 10th year as, um, an organization. So, um, uh, yeah, as long as we keep going into another 10 years, we're really happy. Yeah, I think that goes the same as for me as well. Um, my eboard has been so incredibly supportful. I think that has been something that has been very, very encouraging as a person who was new to the position last uh, semester. I really struggled with what should I be doing? Who should be the people that I'm contacting? What are the procedures to get anything done? And they've been wonderful at lifting me up and supporting me with everything um, that needed to get done and just guiding me through the whole process. And I think to have a community that really reflects the values of having a, a great mixed community, you also have to have that with your eboard because it's that's where it starts, you know? Um, a lot of, I think a lot of like the bonds that were created um, over the course of like maybe two semesters a year um, really centers on how different each one of us views our mixed identity because we all have different mixed, um, we all have different mixes. And it was just really nice to be able to talk about, oh, I'm this and this, but it's um, made me feel this because I grew up in this way. And to have that conversation, um, and in a position to do something about it um, really takes off the pressure. Um, I'm not sure whether that makes sense or not, but it really just shows that everyone is still learning, even though we're in these positions, to be able to create and facilitate change. And it just makes for a really comfortable environment. And I think that is something that above all, like no matter the, the progress that is being made or no matter how far that the organization itself is going forward, it is even more crucial to have a very strong center and a very strong foundation. And that is really coming from like the executive members who are really at the core of all this. Um, so just incredible support from my team. And I think that is extremely, extremely valuable. Yeah. yeah. I, I looking back now, I couldn't have done anything without my exec. Uh, they, we all have our positions, but we all change our roles. And I know I would not have been able to get this ship running and off the ground without the six or seven people, depending on the year, um, who was with me. And I'll, if they're watching this, like I couldn't have done it without them. So that's 
was say teamwork makes a dream work. And I think that's just part of what it means to be mixed. We're all different types of mix, but if you mix us all together, we're all just beautiful. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm curious about outreach. I I understand, you know, once you once people know you exist, they, they can come and go as as they please, but I imagine it's tough to even let them know you exist. Like I, I also wonder how would I have found this when I was in college given the the kind the size campus that I was on and things like that. Um, how has outreach I know actively with Phoebe, you have literal people who are tasked for sending constant emails and reaching out to mixed race folks. Um, but I don't know if that's the same for, for UCLA and UVA's organization. How is outreach handled for y'all in terms of finding students to participate? Um, for us, it's um, really, really, really tough for us. So part of the issue um, at UCLA compared to other cultural groups is, so for example, the African Student Union, the Black Bruins, um, they have a little more like access um, towards the students incoming. So they kind of know which students identify as black on the, their like applications and they can send out letters and emails to them early before they even step foot on campus or Zoom, um, what year, whatever year it is. Um, and then reach out to them and invite them to like um, weekend camps and stuff like that. And um, tell them to like, look for us at this booth um, at this day or um, have them like sign for mentors or like weekend programs. Um, same thing with like all the um, like Asian amps like groups and all of them. They have all that access for us. We don't. Um, so we have no idea. I've heard from different things where like we just aren't um, part of the right mother org for that or um, on the application. They don't separate out the mixed people. Um, so people that apply for multiple um, like other multiple races or ethnicities. Um yeah, they don't separate them out, so they don't have to even have that data for us to even look at um, to even reach out to those people. So we have to catch them at, like early on. So a lot of the stuff I do in like summer is just being present in like these orientations, these like send student send offs, um, these like Bruin days. Um, we're we try to be as like visible as possible as many places as we can be, uh, just to catch as many people as we can. So we do, I think we caught about, one new summer we caught about 99 to 100 people at like orientations across the 12 orientations. So we got that many like email signups and stuff like that. So those were all straight freshmen that we were able to catch. Um, and then I think at our like early on week zero, I think it's like a sign up day, club day. Um, it's, we got about, I think 200, somewhere in that range. Um, so it's a lot of people that we catch and that's the easiest way for us to do outreach and stuff like that. But um, we really like work out there. We're not able to catch everybody because we still like we stumble into like other spaces and they're they, like when we co-program or anything like that. And they're like, Oh, I didn't even know you guys like existed. And we're like, we just spent like a good, like three weeks. <laughs> like we're doing our recruitment thing. You didn't even know we were there. Um, Cause UCLA is so big that you can't even like catch anybody. Um, so to do it, you have to like get a roster of who do you look for. Um, so it's a really inefficient way we have to do it, but, um, that's a lot of what our summer work looks like. I see. Phoebe, can you talk uh, a little bit about your methods for, for Rich? Yeah, I, because I guess like it's a little bit different for me, but I definitely relate. And I also am part of the Bridges uh, Coalition Transfer Committee, uh, which is the overall large umbrella organization that sees the different RCs, um, including Mixed at Berkeley. Um, 
I definitely relate with the struggle of not having anything to really identify students before they even step foot on campus. Um, that has probably been the most difficult thing, very frustrating to work with as well. Um, because I target uh, community colleges, I've had an easier time where I'm able to really annoy and pester advisors and faculty <laughs> and administration with emails, um, but it's been really effective. And the way that I did it last semester, um, and there was great turnout that came from this, is to really uh, seek maybe one or two professors from various community colleges. Uh, currently, we have 115 California community colleges. And so I had an Excel sheet of a master list of advisors, um, and then faculty and administration. And as I was trying to advertise for Mix at Berkeley and specifically the transfer mentorship program that I was part of, um, really emphasizing that like, hi, I'm a resource. If you have any questions, um, I am here. And just, I think getting that initial email really helped a lot because a lot of the staff um, don't really know how to support their students um, at the CC level as they transfer out because the, the, the spheres of education are slightly different as well as um, control over what they're able to get a hold of in terms of information. So really just giving them like an online pamphlet and saying, hey, this is like, like the events that are coming up. This is uh, the work that we do and the students that we are here for. Um, and we'd love if you'd want to meet with us and you'd have a clear understanding and push that forward for your students and then get back to me. And I did that for all 115 community colleges, uh, we had a massive turnout for the program and for Mixed at Berkeley uh, last semester. So it was incredibly successful. Um, I will say that the, the largest barrier besides not having the documentation to really be able to connect students who are coming into campus is really sort of making them, or maybe not making them is not the right term, but really pushing them to want to explore their mixed identity after so many years of not necessarily being in tune with that. And it's taken a lot more work, especially since we're going virtual to say, hey, you're mixed. You're probably like, oh, you know what? I don't really want to like think about it. It's not really that important. And then once you get the conversation started, um, normally through in-person physical booths or in-person events, um, it's a lot easier to captivate that attention and say, hey, you should look at our organization. We did this all virtual last semester um, with varying degrees of success. It's been really hard to um, work with K-12 uh, high schools specifically because they're also virtually, um, and some of them are also remote as well in various parts of the world. Um, but the way that we sort of tried to work around it was really just um, spamming, I think, faculty and administration. They're such an integral part of the process to make this successful. And then contacting students. And for me, at least, it was going on numerous Facebook pages that I never knew existed and just posting like this online pamphlet and saying, check us out. Here's the Zoom link. Here's what we do. Um, this is how you can contact. And it's been super super successful just because like you can post to a random web page and a lot of people will see it uh, regardless of not um regardless or not whether they are part of the community they're able to forward that information so 
social media. It's been a very useful tool. <laughs> Jay? Oh, so being super new, we are in the same situation as Dakota of being sort of not having access to a very self-identifying email situation. So we put our recruitment mainly into the activities fair. Uh, and in the in-person activities fair at the University of Virginia, it's usually a very nice, hot, late August, early September day in the mid-Atlantic where it's nice and humid and sweaty. And it's just this smiley face be like using my mix radar of like, you know, are you mixed? Yeah. Mix? Are you mixed? Maybe you're not. Okay, but it's fine. Um, so that's where we have a lot of success based off just the charisma attitudes. But going virtually and now having these options and doing more of a social media platform, but also through email list platform of like seeing what resources we have available um, with various degrees of success. We have been around for oh so long, so we don't really know what's good and what's not quite yet. Got to try everything first. But where I have found our recruitment sort of lies is in the conversations we just sort of have and people dragging their friends to our events. Uh, the biggest ticket I feel like works in all colleges, especially when things before the Rona, is if there's free food, people will come. Um, that's how it used to work. We cannot wait for those events to come back. Uh, but I'm excited to see how we're going to really re-envision marketing in the future. And hopefully one day we could have some sort of connection with the UVA administration about if people click more than one box, can we please send out an email to these individuals? And my role was really just doing external outreach. Uh, I spoke with Dakota before, and I also spoke with, spoke with Mix at Berkeley before, and I like to keep those relations going um, and continuing down for this organization because I could handle all the eternals, internal stuff the best I can, but I think having an external network will be really beneficial for, I think, all of our organizations. Right. Yeah, I think that's also what carry over with Mixed Race podcasts, too. Um, I, I, If I had listened to another Mixed Race podcast, I would get on the show and I'd be like, hey, I just heard this podcast. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be the only space for you. You should check these other spaces out. And then I reached out to one Mixed Race podcast who said that we were competition, that it didn't seem right for us to cross promote with each other because we were looking for the same audience. And my my perspective on that was... Yeah, but like someone might want to listen to a mixed race podcast, but I might not be their flavor, you know, and you might be. So I would want them to know, hey, there's this other resource, too. Um, also, you might have a perspective that I don't have, and I want to hear that. So I want you to come on my show so that I can hear that and vice mm -hmm. versa. Um, and I thought it was strange to have that. Like, I wasn't expecting it because I thought we were craving community so much. We would want this. And it only happened in one particular case. Um, but that has stuck with me for a very long time because I, I realized like how much of an effort this is for us to have even created the things that we have created or, or participated in. And then to have a barrier, like our own selves bar being a barrier is a problem. And any kind of tips or tricks that you might get from one organization that might help yours could be, I mean, it could help your growth exponentially, not to mention you might have a transfer, from one of the other organizations and they might come to the campus and be like, well, I had mixed at Berkeley, but now that I'm at UVA, I don't know where to go. Well, you, there is a place for you there. Um, 
that that would be an opportunity too. Uh, just because I'm not sure how long it'll take for us all to answer this question, I'm going to start early now. And but if uh, if we answer it quick, then we'll still have other things to talk about afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I end every episode of Militantly Mix asking my guests, and some of you have answered this question um, so uh, before: is what do you love most about being mixed? But since we're talking about mixed race student organizations and and sort of their meaning and and importance to you individually as organizers in those spaces i'm going to reframe that question to ask what do you love most about being both a participant and an organizer in a mixed race student organization and we can go in any order y'all want (laughs) yeah um i've been going first i'll keep going first um yeah so um i think um as a participant my favorite part was i guess still is um just like stepping into a space that's got a bunch of the people that understand you. So um, it's really rare. Growing up, it was always really rare for me to, for that to happen for me. Um, because I mean, all the way through like K through even like sixth grade, I'd say there, I was like the only black kid in class. Um, like only dark skinned kid in class at all um, growing up. So uh, to even step into like a space of people that even look like me, um, even generally was like kind of nice, um, as I got into high school and, um, early college and then, um, stepping into like a mixed race space where people are like, Oh, I also understand like what it's like to have a mom that doesn't look like anything like you or, um, to have like your two sides of your family be like entirely different or, um, to feel like you're missing something, um, culturally or any of that. Um, it was all experiences. I thought it was like just like made me kind of like lonely, like isolated. Um, and then to meet all those other people that are like, Oh yeah, I also felt this. Um, and to hear them like come out with it and not even like be like prodded and like have them like, like try to relate to you and just them to like come out and say their story and say their piece. Um, that was always like my favorite part. And it's why, what brought me in and why I'm still here around several years later. Um, as a director, I think my favorite part is um, helping people through their like identity. I know college is like a really um, prime time for people trying to like figure out who they are and they're on their own for the first time. And um, it's like they have to figure out who they are by themselves um, and go through that like kind of personal story and personal growth. Um, it's like just a key time in their lives. So to be able to like open up that space, um, invite them in and then, see them grow within that space. And then I've seen people like change their identity, how they identify, um, as well as grow as people, um, in the time I've done that. Um, even as they join like our board, as they come, um, we have, I know I, hopefully Amber's watching my fellow, uh, co-director, but, um, I met her when she was like a little freshman and then now she's like my co-director and she's amazing and she's opened up a whole bunch. So, uh, but to hear grow is really great. Um, yeah, being able to like, you know, feel like you're raising kids almost um, is like is such a great experience for me. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, so I was never a participant because I had to get this baby started. I'm going to be one, which is going to be great. It's going to be new to <laughs> let it go. But for being president since its creation, I think what I really love, like I said earlier, is having the space to call home, a place to have questions, and a space to understand. 
I think where I felt that I needed to have this is to be able to create something where my members could be who they are, what they want to be. And having these questions of identity about you don't have to be one way or the other. You don't have to fit into the census box, especially on the SAT. There was always circle one. I distinctly circle two because the man could fight me. Um, And I think going forward with that and growing within that and seeing my members grow into that is really, really powerful for me of seeing how we could begin to answer these questions for ourselves and how we identify ourselves and how we see ourselves as mixed individuals, either 50, 50, 60, 40 percentage percentage and such, because even when you graduate with a degree from the University of Virginia, you're still going to be asking these questions. I'm just here to help get it started in this place that you could call home. And I think that's what all college students just want if you're out there college career is the place to call home. So can't wait to be a participant, but that's what I got out of being a leader. <laughs> and Phoebe? I think for me, it's really being a part of both communities. It's like you you make the change and you create the change and you're also in a community where you get to watch and be part of this immersive experience and really sort of be a witness to the change and the impact you have on the communities that you're influencing. And I think for me, that's the most rewarding thing to really ever like to ask for in anything I do. And I think that in order to really be passionate about something, you want to be able to feel like you're making change and you're doing work that is good. Um, And you also want to find value in the work you do. Um, For me, being part of Mixed at Berkeley and doing the work that I do for Mixed at Berkeley and for my mixed community really centers on community building. Um, And I think that's a pretty basic answer, but really community building is the foundation of everything that we're looking for. We're looking for space. We're looking for questions. We're looking for inquisitiveness and we're looking for somewhere to be able to be open with our different, but shared experiences and being able to be a facilitator of that. And also be a witness to the community that you're trying to facilitate for, um, is really just incredibly rewarding. And you learn through the process as well. Um, And you learn both ways. And you're also trying to um, teach in a sense that it's okay to have these questions. It's okay to want to seek a space to really question your identity. Um, And it's just a very much rewarding and learning experience. Right. I... um... I can say too, just from being a person that does this kind of work uh, with related to mixed race, that one of the biggest joys I see is someone owning their identity, be your mixed ass self, whatever that means to you, whether that means you feel more one way than the other, or you feel like everything equally, or you don't even know one whole side of you, but you're curious about it, um, that all of that is okay wherever, wherever you're at, it's okay. It's also fluid and you're going to change at some point once you get more access or once you're around more people like you or anything like that, or you'll get to a point where it doesn't matter today. 
like I'm just regular old Maine or something like that. That's that's a possibility too. And I think you don't really feel that until you're in a space like this with a group where you everybody is kind of doing it and you're like, oh, okay, I'm not alone in this. I think that is one of the biggest things that that we deal with, like you said, Phoebe, the building community, is that we don't want to be alone but we're also really afraid to tell people that <laughs> or to tell people that we're living in isolation. And I think these different mixed race organizations and our spaces give everybody the opportunity to just sigh a relief that they're not the only person that feels this way. And so I, I'm very appreciative of y'all for doing the kind of work that you do and making space for your community as well as being a participant. Cause it's, it's one thing to organize. It's another thing to also put yourself out there. And all of you have done that in various ways. And I'm really appreciative of that. Uh, as we get a little bit close to the end, why don't you let everybody know who is maybe looking to transfer to your university or apply, uh, how they can find your organizations. And, um, and then if you also would like to share your personal self, feel free to do that as well. And we can go in backwards order from the way we intro. Let's go Phoebe, Dakota, and then Jay. Okay. Um, I guess like one advice to any mixed student, or even if you're not mixed and you want to really learn about what it is like and, and how our um, history really differ, definitely reach out to just search up Google search, mix at Berkeley or, or um, the Bridges Coalition. We also have a site. We also do a lot of promotional advertisement. Um, whether it's through a faculty at a community college or faculty at a K to twelve system, um, and we can shoot a, and we can shoot you an email as well. Once we get that initial conversation started, we're very responsive over Facebook. Um, we have a Facebook page, Mix at Berkeley. If you're interested, just shoot us a message, and we get back like very very quickly. Um, and hopefully I hear from you all. I can also drop the mixed transfer email. It's just mixedtransfer at gmail.com. Um, and if you shoot me an email, I'll be sure to respond to it. Cool. All right. Uh, for us, we're Mixed Student Union at UCLA. Um, so if you Google Mixed Student Union, our SEO is really, really good. So uh, we think we're like the first three results. So uh, if you Google Mixed Student Union, we'll be there. Um, if you want to find us on Instagram, it's at UCLA underscore MSU. Um, on Facebook, we're Mixed Union at UCLA. Um, I think on Twitter, we don't check our Twitter often, but it's there. It's at UCLA MSU. And if you want to email us, if you have any questions, um, it's Mixed Union UCLA at gmail.com. Um, yeah, if we're most probably most responsible on Instagram, but we check everything. So, yeah. Uh for all those mixed folks on the East Coast, you know, looking at the University of Virginia. Uh, it's really, you can reach us of MR, at MRSC at UVA on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, we will respond to you. We don't check them a ton, but it will happen. Or easiest thing is MRSC down um, underscore exec at virginia.edu. We're really good at emails. Charmaine will send you the information. And for all of those mixed young people out there, I find it just super uh, important to just keep questioning. You're beautiful. Don't let anyone tell you wrong. Um, and no one has all the answers. So that's all I can say for that. 
Uh, yes, to, to back up what Jay says, if you email me and you're like, what was that thing about whatever's college? I will email you the details. You'll also find it in the show notes of this episode, whether you're listening to it on audio only or you're seeing it on YouTube. Um, I will post all of those links in there for you as well after we get done with this. And again, I just want to thank all three of you for participating with me. I feel like I get so much more out of every experience I have in either talking to any of you or, um, you know, engaging on these live streams. I am jealous of the fact that y'all have mixed race student unions now because I didn't have one. And I, I am just so glad that the space exists. Um, whoever is listening right now, if you're in a position, whether you're in a school, a work organization, or you're just sitting on the couch during Rona trying to find some friends, <laughs> Um, and you're mixed and you need some support, Militantly Mixed or any of these student unions or any mixed race group on Facebook, hopefully it's a welcoming space, seek out, don't be in isolation. We we get better when we're with people who feel and understand what we're going through, even if we're not mixed the same. It's a common theme across almost every conversation I've ever had with a mixed person is that even if we don't share the same mix, we do share a lot of the same experiences. Um, don't feel like you're not enough. Feel like you're more than <laughs> because you got multiple things going on inside of you and reach mm -hmm. out, absolutely reach out to, to any of us that um, you've heard speak today because we're out here to support our community. So again, mm -hmm. thank you all for joining me and thank you to everybody who's watched and or listened and don't forget to be your mixed ass selves. <laughs> Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan, the one. You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. If you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash Militantly Mixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash Militantly Mixed for a one-time only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to be your mixed-ass self. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.